Thanks for listening to the Aspire Church podcast. Visit us at aspirejacks.org to access additional resources or to learn more about the ministries of Aspire Church. Just, just, like, uh, just like Paul said, the word really is the word that got me to because I do need to be reminded that he really loves me. In fact, sometimes, I don't know about you, um, for those of us who maybe have been Christians for a while, we've been following Jesus for a while, been in church for a while, we get into this mindset that, that God really needs us, right? That, 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 God, that there's a burden and an obligation that we have that somehow we've got to do this work that God has got for us. And, and his love for us is dependent on us figuring out his will and being obedient to all these things and checking all these boxes. We just fall into that pattern all the time. And the good news, the message of Jesus really is that God doesn't need you to do anything. He just wants you. He's just pursuing a relationship with you. He, he wants to have a relationship with you that is very real and very personal in every aspect of your life. And so many times we get so busy doing things. We get so busy pursuing our agenda. We, are, we, we especially in the West, I think we're so task-oriented that we can forget about the importance of relationships. Because at the end of the day, it's not what you've accomplished, but who you are and the people and the relationships you have with people that matter. I mean, it doesn't matter who they are. If you go to the, the funeral of somebody, you know, it, talking about all their accomplishments in terms of the work they've done or the companies they've built or the money they've acquired, all of that doesn't seem important when you get to those, those critical moments in life, when you look at how somebody lived their life in relationship. And God wants that kind of a relationship with each and every one of us. But I get so busy being a human doing that I forget that I'm a human being, Right? That ultimately what God is desiring for me is a relationship, a relationship that's real and personal. And so for the last several weeks and for the next few weeks, we are talking about how do we know and do the will of God. And I think when we talk about that, the first thing we hear in our Western ears is, okay, doing, I understand doing, right? I'm going to know and do the will of God. I think it's important for us to take a step back and realize that, that what God is pursuing with you, first and foremost, is a relationship. So we've been looking at some of these realities. We looked last week. We'll look for the next few weeks at these realities of knowing and doing the will of God. And we got a little chart that, we follow, that we'll follow here that you can kind of walk through them. The first thing, and we looked at it last week, is that God is always at work around us. And then this week, we're going to look at this idea that God is pursuing a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal that God is pursuing that relationship with us. Now, last week when we looked at this idea, God is always at work around us, we, we, we talked about the fact that when God allows us to see the work he's doing, that is God's invitation for us to join him. Like he is trying to show us and demonstrate to us all the ways that God is active around you. Maybe it's somebody in your office. Maybe it's somebody at your school. Maybe you just have a sense as you're walking down the road, there's just that tug. You feel like I need to text that person. Whatever it is, when we believe that God is really at work, when we have a sense that God's doing something, that is God's invitation for us to join us. That we are to watch and see where God is working and join him in that activity. But here's the problem. I get so busy doing things that I forget to be on a lookout for this God who is seeking this personal relationship with me. That God, I forget that God doesn't need me to do anything. Instead, he wants me. He wants to have this relationship with me. So, so reality number two that we're going to look at today is this reality. God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. That God is in pursuit of this relationship with you. 
The, in fact, the Bible is one continuous story from beginning to end of how God has been in pursuit of his people. Think with me back to the very beginning of the, the Bible, the story of Adam and Eve, and you know they eat from the tree of not the knowledge of good and evil. They're not supposed to do that. And Adam and Eve hide. And who is it that pursues Adam and Eve in the middle of their sin and brokenness? It's God. They're not looking for God. In fact, they're trying to avoid God. But God's going after them. And then you fast forward and you see the story of Abraham. You know, this older man, he's got an older wife. They never had any kids. And God is, God is setting about his redemption, redemp, plan of redemption for the people of the earth. And he chooses the most unlikely person. He pursues Abraham and he says, Abraham, go to a land that I will show you. Moses, he, he's a fugitive from the law. He's wanted for murder in Egypt. He's sp spent 40 years wandering in the desert. And God pursues Moses and says, Moses, I've got a plan. I, Moses, I, I, you may have given up on yourself. You may think that you're disqualified, but you're not disqualified, Moses. And, and you, you go to other stories throughout the Bible. You see it time and again, even when Jesus comes on the scene, his disciples. His disciples did not come to him. He went to them. Think, think about it. Andrew and James and John, they're all fishing. They're, they're running their father's fishing business. And it's Jesus who goes to them and says, hey, come follow me. Matthew, a tax collector, hated by the Jewish people because he was like a traitor, right? He's, he's, he's collecting taxes for the enemy. And Jesus goes up and says, hey, Matthew, come and follow me. In fact, when he was talking to his disciples, Jesus said this in John 15, verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. And God hasn't changed. The same God who pursued Adam and Eve in the middle of their sin, the same God who pursued Abraham when he thought his time was past, the same God who pursued Moses who thought he was disqualified, the same God who pursued, who pursued Andrew and James and Peter when they were fishing, the same God who pursued Matthew, that's the same God that's still in pursuit of you and wants a relationship with you today. So what I want to do is I want to look at this idea of God's pursuit of a love relationship with us because some of you here today may not believe that. You may believe that you're disqualified. You may believe that you are, are not worthy. You, you may not be interested. You may have no knowledge and not even know what I'm talking about. You lost a bet, and that's the only reason you're in church today. But I want you to know God is pursuing you wherever you are right now, whether it's a, whether it's a mountaintop experience or a valley experience. God is pursuing you. He knows where you are, and he is pursuing a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. And to look at this, I want to look at the life of one of the most famous characters in the New Testament. And he's one of those characters that we can all relate to. His name is Peter. Now, if, if you're not a student of the Bible, uh, the reason so many of us can relate to Peter is because Peter is that guy who always talks first and thinks later. Anybody else? In here, you know anybody like that? Like, Peter is the guy who's going to stick his foot in his mouth. Like, he is going to constantly do things. He's going to jump out. He's always first. He's always anxious to, to please. He's always, but in his effort, he often does the wrong thing. And yet what we see through Peter's life is that God has been pursuing Peter all along. Even before Peter had a knowledge of God, God was pursuing him. That God pursues us first in our ignorance. Now, I don't mean ignorance in, in sort of a, an offensive way. I just mean in the fact of what we lack in knowledge, what we don't know. Think about this, that God was pursuing you before you even drew your first breath. The psalmist said this in Psalm 139, verse 15 and 16. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, 
When I was woven together in the day, your eye saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Think about that. That, that you were knit together in your mother's womb with a design and a purpose. That God was pursuing you even before you knew God, even before you knew yourself. In fact, Ephesians, Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's workmanship. That can also be translated as poem or masterpiece. So if you think about a poet drafting a poem or an artist painting a masterpiece, we are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, now catch this with me. The same God who knit you together in your mother's womb. You don't know him. You don't know anything. You don't even know your mom or dad. But that God is knitting you together. And what Ephesians 2.10 says is that he is all, there's a need in the world, and he is already designing you to meet that need. It's almost like if you had to design a special tool to accomplish a special task, like God is already working. He is already in pursuit of you before you even drew your first breath. But it's even more than that. Because even once we come and we, once we have some knowledge of ourselves, we think we know ourselves, God pursued us even before we knew him. Let's look at the life of Peter here. If you have a Bible, open with me to Luke chapter 5. We're going to kind of be bouncing all over today as we look at this. But, but let me just give you a little background on Peter. Peter was a good Jewish boy. He was raised in a good Jewish home. Uh, Peter's dad was a fisherman. That his dad had probably been a fisherman. Um, Peter's plan was to be a fisherman. His sons would be fishermen. I mean, this was just the way it worked. Now, in Jewish tradition, there was certainly this hope, that everybody had this hope, that their sons would be chosen by a rabbi. To, to be one of their disciples and that they might become a teacher of the law. That would have been a, a hope of every parent. But by the time Peter is already working on his dad's fishing boat, that ship has sailed. Like, because rabbis would choose their disciples based on who they thought was smart enough, who, the, who thought they thought understood Torah enough, who paid attention, right, in Hebrew school to all the laws and all the things. And, and Peter just hadn't made the cut, right? I mean, he, he was not included. So, so Peter is doing his father's fishing business. He's already married. He's got his life plan set out for him. He has no clue that God has a unique mission and purpose for him. Until there's this rabbi that comes along by the name of Jesus, like so many other rabbis, nobody thought anything special about him. But there's a huge crowd. And so in order to make himself be able to be heard and seen, the rabbi comes down to the shore and says to Peter, hey, let me go out in your boat a little ways so that people can see and the sound will be better. And, and so he's out there. Now, Peter had just been fishing all night with his brother and, and two of his other buddies. They hadn't caught anything. So Jesus preaches his sermon and he's like, hey, why don't you cast out the nets again? And they're like, dude, we have fished all night and haven't caught anything. And if you knew anything about fishing, you would know that this is not the time to catch fish. That time has passed. And Jesus is like, hey, just put the nets out. So they put the nets out, and they haul in this huge catch of fish. And suddenly, Peter realizes something. This man who is on his boat is not who he thought he was. Look what it says in, in verse 8, Luke chapter 5, verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now, I want you to remember this reaction because we're going to look at another encounter later, and we're going to see a different reaction. But in this specific encounter, Peter is like, oh, you must be a holy man, and I am not a holy man. Like Adam and Eve hiding in the garden. Peter's like, I can't be around you. 
Like, you're too good, I'm too sinful. Have you ever known somebody that, like, you liked them and you thought they were really good, but you were uncomfortable being around them because they were just so good? You ever know anybody like that? Like, you're afraid, I might say something wrong, I might do something wrong. And so, so this idea, Peter's like, I can't be near you. You are holy, you are good, and I am not. I can't be near you. But what is Jesus doing? He's already pursuing Peter, even in his ignorance. Even before Peter knew himself, even before Peter really understood who Jesus was and what Jesus was trying to accomplish, Jesus was already pursuing him. Look at Jesus' response in verse 10. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Now, who was Peter afraid of? He was afraid of his own sinfulness. He was afraid of being around this holy man, him being in a sinful position. Jesus is saying, hey, don't be afraid. I know exactly who you are. You may not know yourself, you may not know me, but I know you and I'm pursuing you. And I'm going to take you and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and they followed Jesus. But notice, it was not their idea to follow Jesus. It was Jesus' pursuit of Peter first that allowed Peter to then begin to follow him. God pursues us in our ignorance. Listen, before you knew yourself, before your mom knew you, God already knew you. There was a purpose and a plan, and God designed you. He designed you to be his answer to whatever that issue is in the world. And before you even knew God, and some of you here today, and you don't know God, you don't even want to know God, God is still pursuing you even in your ignorance, even in your lack of knowledge. Some of you think, I don't know enough, I'm not smart enough, I didn't pay attention in Sunday school, I never pay attention to the sermon, I'd always fall asleep, whatever, right? Listen, Jesus is still pursuing you. There's still a purpose and a plan for your life. God pursues you even in your ignorance. But listen, it gets better than that because God pursues us in our doubt and fear as well. So Peter's following Jesus. And as he's following Jesus, they get word that that Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, has been arrested and been uh, executed by Herod. And so they're trying to get away and have some quiet time alone to grieve. And a crowd shows up. And so Jesus feeds this crowd. It's a miraculous thing that they do feed these 5,000 men so it's probably 10 or 15,000 people overall that they're feeding and then finally after the crowd's gone Jesus tells his disciples hey guys get in the boat go on across the sea of Galilee and I'll I'll meet you there and they're like how are you going to meet us there you don't have a boat and she's like don't worry about it I'm going to meet you there so they get out on the boat and they're crossing the sea and a storm comes up and a storm is raging now think about this Jesus sent them into the storm he sent them into the hard place. And they're out there and they're all alone and they're, scared, and they're scared. And suddenly they see a figure walking across the water toward them in the middle of their fear and doubt. And you think, oh, like, man, these, these guys are just not very bright, right? I mean, like, you know, hey, that's Jesus. I mean, we know that because we've read the story. They had no idea. They're just filled with fear. They're afraid of the storm. And now they're afraid because a ghost is chasing them on the water. Matthew chapter 14, look with me at this story. Matthew chapter 14, verse 26. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost, and they cried out in fear. Verse 27, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Now you would think, okay, oh, it's Jesus, everything's gonna be okay. No, listen to what Peter says. And Peter answered, Lord, if it is you, in other words, I ain't buying this. Like, Jesus said, it's me. And Peter's like, "Uh uh-uh, no way it's you. In fact, listen to what he says. If it's you, command me to come to you on the water, big boy, if it's you. (laughs) 
And what does Jesus say? Jesus calls his bluff. Jesus says, come. And Peter, at that moment, I've got to imagine, is like, what have I done? Like, why did I open my big mouth? Because now he's on this seven other guys, and what are they doing? They're looking at him like, All right, put up or shut up. He called you on your bluff. You better step out in the water. So he's not, you know, you don't, if you do, if you have a, if somebody's daring you to do something, you don't back down, right, men? Right, men? Right, right, you're going to do it. So he steps out on the water. Look what happens next. And Peter answered, Lord, if it is you, command me to come on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. This is good, right? Man, look at me. I'm strutting on the water. These guys in there, these losers in the boat, they have no idea. Look how faithful I am. Look how good I am. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him and saying, Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. See, Jesus was pursuing Peter. Even in the middle of his fear and even in the middle of his doubt, Jesus walked to him through the storm on the water and invited Peter to step out of the boat, step out of your safe place into that place that instills so much fear. Why? Because Jesus is with you. He's pursuing you. Listen, God is pursuing you in the middle of your fear and your doubt. I don't know what you're afraid of right now. I don't know what doubts you're facing. Maybe it has something to do with your physical health. Maybe it's a relationship issue. Maybe it's financially. Maybe it has something to do with your kids or your parents. or I don't know what it is. But wherever there is fear and doubt, the fear and doubt often obscures our vision of God. Why? Because all we can see is the storm. All we can see are the wind and the waves. And even when God shows up, we're afraid of God in that moment. But it doesn't change the fact that God is pursuing you in the middle of your fear and your doubt. What if God is using the storm of your life right now to get your attention? What if in the middle of the storm, Jesus is coming to you? You're looking for him on the shore where everything's calm and peaceful. You're looking for him on the beautiful beach day. And Jesus is like, I'm coming to you in the middle of the storm. Like, that's where I'm coming to you. God pursues us in our doubt and fear, but God also pursues us in our pride. Look with me at Matthew chapter 16. A couple chapters over. Jesus is um, with his disciples and he's asking them some questions and he says to his disciples, hey, who are people saying that I am? Who are people saying that I am? And they're like, well, some people say a prophet, a great teacher, a rabbi, a great physician. You know, some say Elijah, all these other things. And then Jesus is like, okay, okay, but who do you say that I am? And they're all like, uh, you know, nobody says anything. And so what does Peter do? Peter blurts out. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Like, Ding, 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 ding. Even a broken clock is right twice a day. Like, Peter just stumbled on the jackpot answer. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Talk about bragging rights. Like, if he, if he bombed when he tried to walk on water, he hit a home run with this one. Because now, he's all the other guys, yeah. Yeah, James, who's the rock? That's me, buddy. <laughs> They're building the church on me. I'm the, I'm the guy. Like he's, so you think he's, he's, right now, he is at the zenith of his relationship with Jesus. He's so proud and so filled with the idea that, that he is such an important figure. 
Two verses later, don't miss this, two verses later, Matthew 16, 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day raised. And Peter took him aside. Jesus, step over here for a minute, buddy. Took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you, Jesus. This is not a good plan. Look at Jesus' response. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on things of God, but on things of man. You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. You are Satan. Get away from me. I mean, right? I mean, but isn't this our life? Right? I mean, isn't those of you been walking with Jesus? Don't you feel like? Can't you get that? Like you think, okay, I did something. Like I got it right. Only to find yourself two minutes later, you're falling apart. Like you believe you're so confident one day, and the next day you're filled with doubt and fear. You're filled with pride and thinking that you know better, and then the next minute you've been put in your place and you have no clue, and yet God is pursuing you. He's pursuing you in the middle of your pride. He pursues you in your ignorance before you even knew yourself or knew God. He pursued you in your fear and in your doubt, and he pursues you in your pride, and he also pursues you in your failure. God pursues us in our failure. Jesus warned the disciples that they were all going to betray him shortly before he was arrested. In Matthew 26, verse 33, Peter responded to that warning with this. Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away, Jesus said to him. Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will never deny you. Still hear the pride? And Jesus is still pursuing him. But Jesus is trying to set him straight. Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And look what happened. Because we always rush from there straight to the denials. But look at the other failures that happened. So they go from there into the garden. And Jesus asks his disciples, hey guys, would you just watch and pray with me? Like my heart is heavy. I just need you guys to pray with me. And Matthew 26, verse 40. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so you could not watch with me one hour? Just a minute ago, you said you would die for me. And now you can't even stay awake? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And then Jesus is arrested. And Jesus is carried off for trial. In John chapter 18, verse 10, Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? I mean, Peter is still trying to take matters into his own hands. He is still seeking to do things the way he thinks they ought to be done. And Jesus is saying, Peter, Peter, just stop. Stop. This is not my plan. And so Peter goes from one mistake to another mistake. And finally, as Peter follows Jesus, uh, verse John chapter 18, verse 15, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered into Jesus, with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood on the outside of the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you are, also, are you not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. Now the servant and the officers made a charcoal fire. Don't miss this charcoal fire. Because it was cold. And they were standing and warming themselves. 
Peter also with them was standing, warning, warming himself. And a little bit later, verse 25, now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, you also are not his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off. Remember that guy? Well, this guy's relative is in there. And he's like, wait, my cousin just had his ear cut off. And he described a guy to me that was with Jesus. He asked him, did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter again denied it. And at once the rooster crowed. Now, before we're too hard on Peter, let's just think about this for a second. Peter is thinking he's going to save Jesus. Like that's his whole, like he has followed Jesus to this place because he is going to be the hero. He is going to save Jesus. So what's a little white lie, right? I mean, I'm only denying this because if they know that I cut off that guy's ear, they're going to arrest me, and then how am I going to save Jesus? I mean, all these things, these things are going through Jesus' mind. And yet right then the rooster crowed, and Peter left weeping because he knew he had failed. And he thought that was it. Sure, Jesus may pursue me in my ignorance. Yeah, maybe he pursues me in my doubt and my fear. He's clearly pursued me in my pride. But... I don't know if he can pursue me in my failures. I, I don't know if he can pursue me after my divorce. I don't know if he can pursue me after I made such a mess of my life. Can he still pursue me? Which reminds us that God pursues us in our disappointment. Peter returned to the fishing boat. It had been several days since the resurrected Jesus had appeared. And even in those encounters that, Je that Peter had had with the resurrected Jesus, he kind of kept his distance. There's no encounter. There's no conversation. He had gone to the tomb, but it was empty. He didn't see Jesus there. When Jesus came to the upper room, Peter kind of kept, him, kept himself quiet. And so now he's with the disciples. It had been days since Jesus had appeared. Maybe he's not coming back anymore. So Peter says, hey, hey boys, let's go back. Let's go fishing. So seven of the disciples went back to their fishing business. And John chapter 21, verse 6 and 7 says this. They're out all night fishing, and they catch nothing. And then... In the morning, as they're getting ready to bring their nets in and go ashore, they see a guy on the sh a beach who says, cast your nets on the other side. And John chapter 21, verse 6 says, so they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put, out, he put on his outer garment, for he had stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. And he was swimming as hard as he could towards Jesus. Now, let's go back to Luke 5 for just a second. Do you remember when, he first, when Peter first met Jesus and he first realized who he was? He said, depart from me. Depart from me because I'm a sinful man. Three years later, now that he knows that he's a sinful man, see, it just was the right religious thing to say before, but now that he knows, now that he's been pursued in his failure and his fear and his shame and his pride, he can't get to Jesus fast enough because he's experienced Jesus pursuing him all of this time. And so when they got on land, they saw a charcoal fire. Have you ever had that experience where you smelled something and it brought back a memory? I, I think the reason the gospel writer John included this little detail about the charcoal fire here is because I think when Peter finally got on shore and he smelled that charcoal fire, the first thing he remembered was the high priest courtyard where he denied Jesus three times. And it hit him again. 
He had just done all he could to get to Jesus, and here it was. He was confronted with his sin again. When they got on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with the fish laid out and the bread, and Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the nets ashore full of the large fish, and they ate breakfast. And there's no record of a conversation with Peter through the whole breakfast. And as the breakfast ends and the disciples are doing whatever they're doing, mending nets, falling asleep, whatever they're doing, Jesus finally speaks to Peter, and he says this in verse 15 of John chapter 21. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to them, feed my lambs. And here's what we come. We come to realize that in our ignorance, in our fear, in our doubt, in our failures, in our pride, in our shame, Jesus never gives up. He is following. He is pursuing. He is pursuing you. And ultimately, we see that God pursues us for a lifetime and beyond. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, Jesus says to Peter, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show the kind of death he was going to die to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Follow me. Peter, you have spent your whole life running from me. You've run from me. Even in your religious activity, you've run from me. Even in your declaration that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, you have been running from me. In pride, in failure, Peter, stop running from me. Instead, start following me. You see, your journey with God begins when you realize that he has already been in pursuit of you. Until you come to the reality that God has been chasing you and pursuing you, you will never be able to follow him. Now, you might be able to follow a religion. You might be able to follow philosophy. But if you're going to follow Jesus, you only come to follow Jesus when you realize it is Jesus who has been pursuing you all along in every failure, in every point of shame, in every disappointment, in every fear, in every doubt. Jesus has been pursuing you. Before you knew him, he already had a purpose and a plan for your life. In all of your fears and doubts, God has been inviting you to keep your eyes on him and to trust his love for you. In your pride, when you were sure you knew better or you didn't need God, he never gave up on you. In every failure, God has been chasing you with his grace. In all of life's greatest disappointments, it has been Jesus who has carried you through them. God has been in pursuit of you throughout your lifetime, and his will for you is to follow him into eternity. Everything God has said and done has been an expression of his love for you. Every disappointment, every hardship, God has been chasing you through that. He created you for the sole purpose of having a relationship with him. To be loved by God is the highest relationship, the highest achievement, and the highest position in life. There is nothing you can accomplish. There's no amount of money you can acquire. There's no, there's no position you can attain that, that, will, that will overshadow God's love for you in the position he has given you in him through Jesus Christ. Everything in your Christian life, everything about knowing and experiencing God, everything about knowing his will depends on the quality of your love relationship with Jesus. If the love relationship does not exist, nothing else matters because God doesn't need you to accomplish his will. It's better than that. He wants a love relationship with you. And the question is this. Can you describe your relationship with God 
by sincerely saying, I love him wholeheartedly. I love him wholeheartedly. In my ignorance, in my fear, in my doubt, in my shame, in my disappointment, in my pride, with all my life, with all my future, I love him wholeheartedly. When Peter was an old man, it happened just the way Jesus said. He was led by the Roman Nero, by the Roman Emperor Nero, into the Roman circus where he was to be crucified. First, they watched, they made him watch his wife be crucified. And then they were going to crucify him. And Peter said, I'm not worthy to die the way my Lord died. And so they crucified him upside down. But before that day came, Peter wrote a letter to some followers. And Peter's words from a man who had run from Jesus to a man who had jumped in the water to swim to him and recognized his desperate need for Jesus. This message, this same Peter wrote these words. In 1 Peter chapter 2, he said this, For to this, talking to you, talking to me, for to this you have been called. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sin in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. We all like sheep have gone astray. And Jesus the good shepherd is pursuing us. He's chasing us because he wants that love relationship with us. I'm going to invite our band to come up. We're going to sing a song again about how much God loves us. And I want you to know today how much God loves you and I want you to have an opportunity to respond to that love. Maybe you've realized in your pride, in your doubt, in your fear, in your brokenness, in your ignorance, whatever it is, that you've never just stood still long enough. You've been so busy trying to do that you've stopped being. Maybe today is the day you would just say, Jesus, here I am. Catch me, and he will catch you. Maybe you would respond to Jesus today and invite him, invite him to fill you with his love. Stop running. Let God catch you. He's been pursuing you all along. Will you stand together as we pray and as we sing? God, we thank you today that, Lord, in the middle of our ignorance, before we even knew ourselves or took a breath, before we knew anything about you, you designed us for a purpose. But, Lord, the highest purpose at all is to know you. Lord, in our fear and our doubt, you have been pursuing us. Lord, in our pride, you have been pursuing us in our failure, in our disappointments. God, it has been you all along who has pursued us. Lord, I, I pray that today we would just stop, stop running, stop hiding. And Lord, that we would turn and we would see it is you who are walking through the storms to us. God, I pray today for those who are here who feel disqualified, who feel uh, somehow that that they're not good enough, I pray that today they would just recognize your incredible love for them as displayed through Jesus. That as he died on the cross, Lord, there is no better expression of love than that. 
God, would you speak to our hearts today? Would you move in the hearts of those you gather here to respond to that love? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Aspire Church Podcast. If what you've heard has been helpful, please subscribe and rate our podcast and share it with a friend. If you'd like to support the ministry of Aspire Church or want someone to contact you personally, please visit our website at aspirejacks.org.